Thank you. Good morning. Great to see everybody. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm part of our preaching team. And as Josh said, we are beginning this new series called Countercultural uh, Convictions. We finished up the book of Malachi last week, and I just wanted to, to congratulate those of you who took the tithe challenge from a few weeks ago. We actually had 180 households in our church take that tithe challenge. So uh, thank you and be praying. Uh, we're, we're praying for you because we know that already you're probably encountering some challenges as you experience that and try to trust the Lord there. Uh, but today we're beginning this new series, Countercultural Convictions. This is going to take us up to Easter. And here's the, the verse that really frames how we're thinking about this series. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the Apostle Paul writes this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this world. How many of you know that the world is trying to conform you? Every group, every group of people that you get, you say, hey, I want to be in with them, that's going to lead you to some kind of conformity. And Paul says, don't conform to the world, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Every group leads to conformity, right? If you decide, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to really start working out. I'm going to join a gym and I'm going to get really into this. Like if you go all the way in there, you're buying yoga pants, ladies, like for sure. Like if you didn't already have them, you're, you can't just work out in shorts or sweatpants. You need yoga pants, right? Because you're going to see that when you go to the gym. That's, that's how they're going to conform you into that. Uh, you're also, if you're a guy and you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really try to lift, you're going to walk around with a giant, unnecessarily large gallon of water all the time, right? And, and, and you'll just find yourself conforming into that image. I noticed this, uh, I was at the olive mill the other day and, and uh, I just, I actually was there with kind of a young guy. I said, hey, have you been here before? He goes, yeah, but I, I don't remember there being this many old people here. And, uh, and this, is the, this is the time of year where if you're a senior a citizen, you uh, head over to Olive Mill because the weather's nice and they take tours. And as I looked around, I'm like, all these people look the same, right? And so it, it's whether you're older, if you're younger, right? I went to a high school basketball game and I'm like, holy cow, every kid in here is wearing checkered vans and camouflage, <laughs> right? And so like it, 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 you're, when you're 17, you're conforming. When you're 67, you're conforming. Everybody's conforming, right? I went the other day to, to lunch at this place in Chandler called Chiba Hut. Any of you ever been to Chiba Hut? Really good sandwiches. And, uh, and someone told me, I, I didn't instinctively know this. This is, I guess I was sheltered. But, but every item on the menu at Chiba Hut is named after a slang word for pot, for marijuana. And it was amazing because the whole staff there looked like the kind of people that would go... That's pretty cool, man, right? And so they applied for that job, right? And so you, you work at Chiba Hut. You're going to be conformed in the image of Chiba Hut, right? I'm, I'm a pastor, right? So listen, I can sit in a coffee shop and within five seconds see someone walk in the door and go, that's a pastor. That's a pastor. And especially if they're a worship pastor, right? I can see that in a nanosecond because it's like worship pastor or homeless. Okay, they look too clean. That's a worship pastor, right? And so... So listen, every, every group of people has an image that you're going to conform into. This is partly, by the way, what's so beautiful about the church of Jesus, is that the church of Jesus Christ isn't trying to conform us into any kind of style, into any kind of uh, cultural 
preferences. The church of Jesus Christ is not trying to conform us to that, but rather to be transformed in the image of Jesus, which means this is a place where you can come from different backgrounds and different styles and different ages and different preferences, and yet we can all be one in Christ. Amen? So we are not being conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewal of our minds. And so what we're going to do in this series is each week we're going to look at a countercultural conviction in a world that has become muddled and mushy. It's important for the church of Jesus Christ to take some stands on some things. That's what we're going to do. Because here's the reality. I'm not concerned about the people out there being conformed to the pattern of the world. What I am concerned about is this person and these people being conformed to the pattern of the world. And so as we go about this series, and I'll show you in just a minute what these topics are going to be, but as we go through this, what we're doing is we're not trying to like make a stand for the people out there who aren't even listening. We're trying to say, hey, for us, the people of God here at Redemption Gateway, here's, here's some stands we're taking. Here's some areas of conviction. So next week, uh, we're going to look at Jesus and how Jesus is the only way to God. There's no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. The next week, we're going to look at the Bible. We believe that the Bible really is God's authoritative word, that it's sufficient, and that to disobey or to disregard any word of scripture is to disobey or disregard God. We're going to take a stand for that. The week after that, we're going to talk about gender. In a world that's very confused as it relates to gender, we believe that God really did make people male and female. That's not a social construct, that's a biological reality given by God. The week after that, we're going to talk about sex. And there's all sorts of ways we've distorted God's good gift of sex. But we're going to say, hey, there's one way that God has given sex to be enjoyed. And that's between a man and a woman in the covenant of marriage. Then we're going to look at the idea of salvation. There's a lot of different ways that people think you can earn salvation or get salvation. But we're going to say this, no, God saves sinners. We can experience salvation. We can experience renewal with God because God is the one who does that work. And then the last week, we're going to look at the vulnerable and how God has a heart for the least and the lost and the last. How God has that heart. And so we as the people of God also have that heart. So those are some convictions. By the way, those aren't the only convictions that we have as a church, uh, but those are some ones that we felt like really in this season needed to be clarified. So that's what we're looking at in the coming weeks. But where are we going today? Where are we beginning? And here's where we're going to begin. We're going to begin with the greatest thing in the world. You go, whoa, don't oversell me here. Okay, I'm just telling you the words of scripture. We're gonna begin with the greatest thing in the world. What do you think the Bible would say is the greatest thing in the world? Here's what I know, some of you would say this, faith, faith. And, and you would have maybe a strong case to make because Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Ephesians 2 says that we are saved by grace through faith. Galatians 2 says that we now, as followers of Jesus, live by faith in the Son of God. So faith is a huge deal. What's the one thing that made Jesus marvel as you read the Gospels? It's when he saw great faith. But here's the deal. There's something even greater than faith. Some of you go, oh, I know the greatest thing. The greatest thing in the world, that's hope. 
And hope is another way sometimes of talking about faith. The scripture says in Romans 15 that the whole Old Testament was written so that we now would have hope as we look back at God's faithfulness. In that same chapter, God himself is called the God of hope. So hope's a big deal. 2 Corinthians 3, just a few chapters before where we read a moment ago, says that the hope of God's glory is what makes us bold in this life. That when we know our hope is certain, then we can be bold now. So hope's a big deal. We die if we don't have hope. But there's something even greater. Look at this verse in 1 Corinthians 13. The Apostle Paul writes this. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. The thing that's greater than faith and greater than hope is love. Love is the greatest thing in the world. Now get this, faith is important and hope is important, but love is the greatest thing. Now listen, if you've been kind of measuring your spiritual health on the basis of how right you are and how firmly you believe the right things because you have faith, that's an important thing, but that's not the greatest thing. If you've been saying, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm following Christ because I have a lot of hope, that's a wonderful thing to have. But the greatest thing in the world is love. Why is that? It's because God himself is love. Look at 1 John 4. John writes, so we have come to know and believe that the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. God's love is how he shows us the gospel, Romans 5. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So love is who God is. Love is what the gospel demonstrates. But then look at this. At one point in Jesus' ministry, the people came to him and it says that they asked this in Matthew 22. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Right, there were 613 Old Testament commands. Which, which is the greatest one? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. John 13. By this, Jesus says, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So get this. Love is who God is. Love is what sent Jesus on the cross to die for sinners like us. Love is the great command that we're called to live out. And love is the thing that will tell a watching world that Jesus is real. Love is also why we get together. Here's what Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1. He said, now the goal of our instruction is knowledge. Wait, that's not what he said. Now, the goal of our instruction is hyperactivity. No, the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Why do we stand up here week after week after week and open God's word and instruct you and say, this is what God says, why? So that we would be a more loving people shaped by the love of God to us, the highest level of which was given in the cross. It's the greatest commandment. It's how the world knows who we are. Love is the greatest thing in the world. And I forgot my other page of notes. Is it down there? So we're gonna wing this. 
It's not back there? Yeah, good luck with that. All right, so see how I remember, how well I remember this. All right. Is it, is it, what'd you say? Did you, oh, I got it? All right, Cody, thank you. <laughs> Cody says I got it. We'll see. We'll see. All right, here's what I know was next in the notes. Some of you are like, I didn't even know you used notes. All right, here's, here's what's next. How could anyone argue with that? Like some of you, I know if you're thinking about it right now, you're going like, well, wait a minute. I thought you said these were countercultural convictions. And that whole list you went through, like, yeah, I can see how those would be countercultural. But love, I mean, isn't everybody for love? Isn't everybody pro-love? I mean, who's out there saying, well, we really shouldn't love each other? But what makes this a countercultural conviction is that the way we understand and define love as the people of God in Christ is way different than how the world understands it. The world understands it as love is about what I can get to feel good for me and to, and to, to fill myself up. Christian love is entirely different. Here's kind of a summary statement, a big idea for this message. Here's what it is. In a world where love is overly about individual desire, sex, convenience, or feelings, we believe that Christian love is the willing self-sacrifice for the good of another without demanding repayment or that the person is deserving. Thank you. Where was it? On the printer. <laughs> How did you think to look there? Wow. I wish I'd have thought to look there. Thank you, Matthew. Give it up for Matthew, everybody. <laughs> I would have loved to follow you around the office looking for it. That would have been great. Thanks, guys. All right. Let's read this again. Okay? In a world where love is overly about individual desire, sex, convenience, or feelings, we believe that Christian love is the willing self-sacrifice for the good of another without demanding repayment or that the person is deserving. Isn't that how God loved us? He didn't look at us and go, wow, they have so much to add to me. Wow, they, they're so worthy of my love. No, in God's grace, because of who he is as a loving God, eternally existing in triune relationship, God in his grace extends himself out to us and loves us. Love is very different. And so here's what we're gonna see today. We're gonna see uh, from this passage in 2 Corinthians, we're gonna see three things that Jesus' love does. The first thing is that Jesus' love reframes. Jesus' love reframes. It gives us a whole new understanding of love. If you have your Bible again, look at uh, it with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us. That word control, if you're a person who writes in your Bible, you might just circle that and write that that word means seizes. The love of Christ seizes us. By the way, this is not our love for Christ. This is Christ's love for us. His love seizes us. It grabs us. Right? You kind of imagine you know, grabbing a dog by the scruff of the neck. It seizes us. The love of Christ seizes. It controls us because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. The love of Christ controls us because Jesus gave his life up for his people. That's who he died for. 
He died for those who are new. He died for those who no longer live for themselves. Jesus has died. Jesus has laid his life down. So that, verse 15, we might no longer live for ourselves. So Jesus' love reframes how we understand love. See, a lot of times we think about love being about self-fulfillment. And it moves from being self-fulfillment to being self-denial. The world's approach to love is that I use other people to fill me. One of my favorite examples of this, some of you know that this song, some of you won't, but there's a song that has come out in the last couple of years that uh, you kind of hear on top 40 stuff all the time. It's called, I like me better. And the, the loop of it goes, I like, I like me better when I'm with you. I like me better when I'm with you. Now, if you think, oh, that's romantic, <laughs> you're being conformed in the image of the world. Because what that's saying is, wow, I, I love you so much because look at who I am when I'm with you. It's, it's, it's totally upside down. And so Christian love, Jesus love says, no, 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 this isn't about how I like me better when I'm with you. This is about how I'm going to empty me in order to bless you. Let me ask you, when you think about your work, you think about your career, what, what, what questions have seized you? What questions control you? Is it, uh, well, how can I use this job and use this conversation and use this position to advance my career? Or is it saying, how can I serve the people here and love the people here and make this organization healthy and good? And I'll trust God with the rest. See, see what, what this says in verse 15 is that your whole way of, of thinking about things is reframed, right? You might no longer live for yourself, but for him who for your sake died and was raised. Some of you uh, are, are newer to our church and some of you have been around a while. And uh, some of you are in real moments of crisis right now. And what you need more than anything is, is to be served. But a lot of you aren't there. And yet you might still be kind of subtly in the back of your head thinking, what can this church do for me? Some of you are in that just horrible position of church shopping. Have you heard this? Right, you, you've done this, church shopping. Even the word makes me throw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> And yet I totally get it, right? If I was moving to a new place, uh, if I was, for whatever reason, having to leave a church and, and go find another church, I mean, that's just, it's a cruddy thing to have to do. And there's this thing that you're just inherently kind of doing, which is saying, how can this church bless me and bless my kids and bless my family? And so on one hand, that's a completely understandable question, but, but, but what happens is sometimes you find that church and you stay there, but you keep that mindset. And the question shouldn't be, how can this church family serve me? It should be, how can I serve this church family? Jesus' love reframes everything. So you might be going, well, gosh, but I don't know if I have the power to change in a new way. And I don't know if you do. But Jesus' love, secondly, renews, gives us this new power. It says in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
So Jesus' love renews us. It gives us a new power, a new ability to love in a new way. We go from death to life. We go from sinner to righteous. In Christ, God makes us new. How does he do that? Well, look at verse 21. He does it by exchanging our sin for his righteousness. Verse 21 is one of the best gospel in a nutshell verses in the whole Bible. Look at what it says. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you see the exchange there? Jesus was righteous, Jesus was sinless, Jesus was perfect, Jesus was holy, and on the cross, God treated him as though he were the worst sinner ever, as though he were sin itself. Why? So that we could become the righteousness of God so that we could be welcomed into God's family, so that we, in the words of verse 18, could be reconciled to God, could be made new, could have this new relationship. This is what Christianity is. This is what the love of God does, is it makes us new. This is why we have a new power to do what the rest of the world can't do, because we've been made new. Get this. In Christ, we're not just cleaned up. We're made new. Right? You ever see the detergent commercials? Right? And on one side, you have the white t-shirt, and it's got this horrible stain that looks like grape juice or blood or I don't know who they're advertising to. Like, but, but there's this horrible stain, maybe a grass stain, right? and it just looks really bad. And they show you how the, the other guy's detergent, it's still just kind of the dingy version of the stain. But with our detergent, and then they show you the new white shirt. And you go, Wow. I better buy that detergent because that is amazing. And here's what you're thinking. You're thinking, how did they get it that clean? And the answer is they didn't. They used a new shirt. That's how they do it. You go, how did they get it that clean? They didn't. They made a new one. And that's the gospel. Listen, the gospel isn't just that God cleans us up, but that he makes us new. And he gives us a new power and, and he offers us this chance to be reconciled to him. And then having been, had our love reframed and having been renewed, Jesus' love then finally redeploys us. Redeploys us. Look at verse 18. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You get what that's saying? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, here's the amazing thing that God's done. He has renewed you. He has reconciled you to himself through Christ. And now he's given you that message of reconciliation. Look at verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. What's an ambassador do? Because that's the, the image he uses, right? What's an ambassador? An ambassador is someone who carries the name of another country, carries the reputation of another country. If we're ambassadors for Christ, we're carrying the name of Christ. We're carrying the values of the kingdom of God. We're ambassadors of his. 
This is different than how the world naturally is, right? We see how the world naturally is. If you read in Genesis chapter 11, what you find is very soon after the world has plunged into sin by Adam and Eve, and, and, then, and then there's the flood and there's all that stuff. In, in Genesis 12, there's this Tower of Babel where the people get together and they say, let's make a tower that reaches the heavens. And almost everybody misunderstands what's happening in the Tower of Babel. Most people think that what's happening in the Tower of Babel, and this is the wrong view, is that they're building this really high tower to try to get to heaven. That's not what's happening. Read the story. Here's what's happening. What they say is, let's build this tower reaching to the heavens so that our name will be great. That's the sin of Babel. Wanting your name to be great. Being a self-ambassador. Right, and we think personal branding is new. It goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel. And in the next chapter, what you see is that God calls Abram and he says, Abram, I'm gonna bless you and I will make your name great. I'll bless you so that you will be a blessing and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. See, that's the, that's the new way of thinking for the follower of Jesus. It's not about my name being great. It's about God's name being great. And if, if my name gets great in the meantime, it's because God's going to do it. So Jesus' love redeploys us. We get a whole new mission. I remember years ago talking to this woman. I said, hey, what, what, do you, what do you do during the week? She had an amazing answer. She said this. She said, I am an ambassador for Jesus cleverly disguised as a Dillard's clerk. <laughs> but she gets it. She gets it. She's been redeployed. Have you been redeployed by Jesus' love? Where you're using your gifts and your strength and your talents and your passions not to make your own name great, but to make his name great? That's really a lot of what this uh, volunteer fair is about after this service, right? Many of you are doing this. You're serving in our church or through our church. You're serving outside our church and you are doing things with your life that are making Jesus great. Keep going. Do it in the power, not of your own strength or for the sake of your own reputation. Do it out of the love of Christ. Have that seize you. But some of you, you're sitting there. You come in and you go out. And you come in and you go out, rinse and repeat, week after week after week after week after week. Get this, this is not a cruise ship. This is a battleship. And we need you in the game. Because there are too many people out there that don't know the love of Christ. And it's our opportunity to give it to them. We are his ambassadors. So I'm not saying the volunteer fair is the end all be all of that opportunity, but it is maybe a next step for you. Now, so that's maybe a call to action for you, but here's an exciting call to action for what this means for us as Redemption Church Gateway. Uh, some of you maybe heard that we had a big announcement to make today, and this is the moment where I get to make it. Uh, because Jesus' love reframes and renews and redeploys, one of the things we have the opportunity to do as Redemption Church is to send out and redeploy people to start new kingdom outposts all over the place. It's why we're engaged in Turkey. It's why we support church planning all over. It's why right now we are one church of nine congregations. But I have the privilege today of announcing to you that Redemption Gateway is pregnant with a church plant. <laughs> we're pregnant. How cool is that? 
We're expecting. And uh, specifically what that means is that we have the opportunity to redeploy Josh Watt to start a new congregation for Redemption Church. Come on up, Josh. To start a new congregation for Redemption Church. Josh is going to be later this year planting a 10th Redemption congregation in North Phoenix. So yeah, once again, welcome Josh. Buddy. Thanks for finding my notes. That was yep. great. That was all Brazzle. Oh, way to go, Brazzle. Okay. So on the map here, what you have is a look at where are redemption congregations that are currently in the valley, right? We have one in Flagstaff, we have one in Tucson as well. And where that box is, is that North Phoenix area that, that Josh and his family are going to be moving toward and uh, starting a new redemption congregation. So this is an exciting day. If you have uh, been around for any length of time, you've maybe even asked Josh, hey, are you ever going to like lead a church? Are you ever going to plant something? And the answer is now, Yes! Yes, very cool. Yeah. So uh, I want to ask you some questions, yep. kind of interview you and let you share some stuff. But why do you want to do this? Why do you want to plant a new redemption congregation? I don't like my boss, so I figure I'll... Could, um, could I be redeployed? Yeah, yeah. I'll go. Uh, so we, we say this thing, and I've said it for years, and I, I think I actually believe it now, but... We say the church is the hope of the world. Hmm. And I think early on I said it, and it's like a kid saying something that is, he knows his parents believe, and he's just saying it because he knows he's, he's supposed to. I really believe that the church is the hmm. hope of the world. Amen. Like, not the church abstract, the church on the ground. Us in this room, we are the hope of the world. Uh, first grader uh, in this tension, my son Roman, I asked him about faith and just kind of how he has talks at school. And he said the other day, he's like, Dad, it's crazy. None of my friends go to church. And you know, and he says this one girl's name, she doesn't even think that saying, oh, my God, is a bad word. Dad, can you believe that? And that's his little first grader understanding of the church matters in a huge way. And now as an adult going through 30 some odd years of life, the church, this matters more than anything. So I can do one of two things. I feel called into ministry. Not everybody's called into ministry. It's not the gift. It's just one of the many gifts God gives us. So I could stay here forever, which would be a great gig. I love my job. I love the youth. I love this place. I, I'm getting choked up as Luke's announcing this, and I'm really sad to say goodbye. Um, so I could stay here, but I think I'd be staying here out of a, a, being scared and not wanting to take a risk and... Uh, primarily. Um, so I want to take a risk and I mm. want to step out in faith and I want to go see Jesus meet these people because the church is the hope of the world. I was talking to a realtor in the next 10 years, more than a million people are going to be moving into Phoenix. Phoenix is the place people move to. Phoenix has people upon people upon people and Phoenix does not have enough churches. And mm. specifically in this area, this is a you know, a booming area years ago, so it's all developed, it's all homes built in, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90, and now the churches there are praying for more church planters to come back to this area that used to probably feel like a gateway as this place is booming. So that place needs churches, we need churches out here, we need churches. It's the hope of the world, and I can say that and actually mean it in mm. all my gusto. This place matters, and hopefully that place is mm. a similar feel 
for that part of town. So. Yeah, it was very cool. Last uh, summer in August, I got to go with Denver, to Denver with Josh and Aubrey for an assessment. That's kind of a best practice as you go through an external assessment. It was just very cool through that to see just Josh's love for people who don't know Christ really kind of begin to, to bloom in a fresh way and to really see that emerge. And it was actually there that we connected with somebody from North Phoenix who was saying, we've been praying for a church planter uh, that would be a church like you would plant up here. Do you want to go drive around? So maybe can you talk a little bit about, because yeah, for a lot of us, we're like going, well, gosh, yeah. I was hoping you'd be in right. East Mesa or Santan Valley. Like that's Closer, really yeah. far. Why'd Probably. you do that? Yeah. What? What were you thinking? Seriously, so. what was I thinking? That is far. That is far. It's only, yeah, it's not too bad. Uh, so here's how it came to be. I, people ask me a lot, hey, are you going to plant a church? you plant a church? Uh, and I put it on hold for a while because I really liked being here. And honestly, our family went through a lot with miscarriages and we were just in kind of survival mode. So I just stuffed that down and I was just putting my head down and getting to work. And then we started to come out of the kind of darkness a little and it just started kind of getting re-triggered and re-brought up and... So I started praying about it, and I wrote down a prayer card, and I wrote down, Mesa, Chandler, stay at Gateway forever, and work with Luke till we're both dead. Those are my three, <laughs> those are my three options I see as far as uh, pastoral ministry and church planning. So I just started praying for that card. God, what's it going to be? 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 And in a variety of ways, he just kind of started crossing all those off, and he said, maybe open up another spot on this prayer card and start thinking outside the box a little. So part of that is we go to this church planning assessment, which is a terrible experience. Don't ever do it. Uh, <laughs> it is rough. It's rough. And there, these guys from North Phoenix are out there praying earnestly for years, and they're at this assessment to try to work with this organization because they want church planners. They want healthy churches in their area. And they just mentioned to Luke, man, I really like Josh and Aubrey. I mean, I re they really loved Aubrey. They liked me. Okay, they're like, it'd be great to have Aubrey out there. And True. if Josh came along... We'd make do, but... He's not kidding. Yeah. That really is what they said. They really, really love it. <laughs> um, so they said, I'd love to drive them around some parts of town. So I said, okay, I'll go drive with you. And then I meet with another key redemption leader. Uh, and he just says, you know, I, I got this. And these two haven't talked. He says, there's this area. God's just always flashing it in my mind. And it's basically that square there. And these two guys, separate of each other, both say, this area needs a church, this area is flashing, this, this needs a good church, redemption would be perfect here. And that's what started this, to say, okay, God, I'll put North Phoenix on this prayer card. And we prayed and fasted and sought the Lord, and he's affirmed it, and he's opened all these doors, and that's how we got there. So a lot of prayer and a lot of fasting and a lot of listening to God. Hmm. And he is sending us not to where we expected or even hoped originally, but we're excited about now. Yeah. So, Give us uh, just a sense of the timeline. What's that look like? So my last sermon here will be, uh, at least as an on-staff person, I'll come back as much as yeah. you want, but uh, is the end of May, which is our senior send-off too. So last Sunday in May, I'll preach here, and then me and my family will move. Part of why it seems a little fast is we have kids in school, so we need to switch schools, so we'll move out in June. And then this, this fall, this upcoming fall, 2020 fall, is kind of the building phase of connections, cultivating relationships, which I'm already doing now, but just building a team. And then my hope is that early 2021, there's Sunday services and the church is up and rolling in North Phoenix uh, with the Redemption R on it. So with me as one of their pastors. So that's yeah. the... It's great. It's, yeah. it's coming. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, so uh, 
one thing just to know with that, so as Josh transitions out of student ministry, Joshua Ruiz, who's been our uh, junior high pastor, he's going to take over the student ministry, and uh, he's been really cultivated and trained for that over the last number of years, so that's kind of what will happen uh, there. There's other s- sort of shuffling and staff things that will happen in the coming months to prepare for that. Um, but one of the things that, that we're aware of is that you don't just move to North Phoenix and like start a service. Right. Right? You're not trying to start a service, you're just trying to start a congregation. Mm-hmm. And so p- you need people, and you Correct. need people to go with you. And one of the things that I would uh, hope is that some of you actually, even right now, might be wondering, maybe there's already been something in, in the spirit moving in you that's starting to just ask the question, would I ever get redeployed to North Phoenix? Would I ever maybe go be part of this? And so I, I hope that some of you will begin to pray about that. And we'll begin to, now I realize what I'm asking. I mean, that's not a church you're going to commute to for very long. So it would probably mean at some point you'd have to move. But, but you, some of you should pray about that. And, and talk, Josh, about if people want more information. Maybe, yeah. maybe they, they're never going to go. They just want to know how to pray for you. And they want to hear about what's right. happening. Or maybe they think, I'd like to be part of this. How can they get some more information? Yeah, so a landing spot, March 29th, we're going to have a lunch in the lobby, info meeting on this new Redemption uh, Church plant, so that'll be coming at the end of March. Other than that, you can come and just talk to me, and like Luke said, be praying. I mean, I have my journal here from last year, I was saying, praying for people and Redemption Gateway people in particular, and Redemption other congregation people, I think some of you, God's going to press on you to say, let's, let's do this. We got one life, let's... Let's go tackle North Phoenix for the gospel, and let's do this together. So I, obviously, it's not going to be all of you or many of you probably, but some of you God's going to bring with us, and it's going to be a blast out there. And I just want you to be praying, spending the next month or so, just God is like Luke said, is this, is this for me? Is this, mm. is this for us and our family? And I think he's going to give some yeses. So yeah. that's what I'd ask you to be doing. Just be praying for that and kind of merge your heart with mine in those prayers for mm. the next season. So. Yeah. Well, Josh has been an incredible leader, and this, uh, we're going to have other moments to honor you and for me to get all choked up and tell you how much I love you. So I'm going to hold it together. It's just the first service today, so we're going to hold it together. Um, but, uh, but Josh leaves a significant hole just in terms of his presence and his leadership and his love. And so one of the things that I'm uh, hoping is that some of you will step out and join him and that others of you will step up here that you will see that the love of Christ renews and reframes and redeploys and that you'll step up in that process. So, um, buddy, we're so excited for you. I love you. (laughs) You've, uh, yeah. Um, All right, so if you wanna talk to Josh, Josh and I, after the service, will be out by the volunteer fair. So head on over there where you can figure out whether to step out or step up. So that's what we're going to do. Let me pray for our time here together uh, while the band comes up. Uh, By the way, Chandler, who's leading worship today, is going to be going with Josh. So that'll be pretty great. So while these guys come up, uh, let me me pray for Watt and for us. Father, thank you for the love of Christ that has Mm. seized us. God, we uh, have not most of us been on any kind of search for you, but we have experienced you seizing us and finding us. And God, I thank you for how you have seized my heart and Josh's heart and so many hearts in this room. And God, the love that you have given to us, God, we pray that it would reframe how we think about things, that we wouldn't think about just what can we get to maximize our own personal pleasure, but that we would believe that 
to give our life away is actually the path to life. God, would we experience your renewal and your reconciling power and would you redeploy us to be your representatives in this world so that your name would be great. God, we pray for Josh and Aubrey. We pray for these next months of transition and of planning. We pray for their kids and pray that this would be a time that uh, as they navigate all the roller coasters of emotions that you would continue to affirm and encourage the call that you've put on their life. God, we thank you for them and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hey, will you clap for Josh?